It's Mankato's Talk of the Town, connecting the community on News Sports Talk KTOE. Here's your host, Lisa Kay. Now we are back on KTOE, middays with Lisa Kay and a Talk of the Town, 1108. We're 36 degrees right now here at Radio Mankato. And as promised, a little focus on ag going on on mic two. Kent TC is with me. Now, Kent, recently retired and keeping yourself real busy. You guys are doing some traveling and visiting of family members and... A lot of driving. Sounds like you did a lot of driving. Yeah, I got a chance to see some of the countryside in the last couple weekends. And uh, what's interesting, last weekend we went down to Wichita, Kansas to a uh, collegiate figure skating competition. Uh, My granddaughter uh, skates in a a group, synchronized skating group with Michigan State University. And um, the... All the way down there, uh, you know, here, of course, we've been having this nice weather, no snow, but all the way from southwest Minnesota across western Iowa, Nebraska, even into northern Kansas, there was snow cover in the fields. (laughs) Well, this weekend, we went the other direction. We went... uh, down near Nashville, Tennessee, uh, my wife's brother lives down there, a surprise birthday party for him, and and basically all the way from here to Nashville, Tennessee, it all looks like uh, here, there's not, not much Dry snow cover, and, and yeah, yeah, nice weather, it was nice, beautiful down there, and kind of the... It was in the 60s down there and sunny, kind of. Well, at least it was good driving weather. It was. It, you know, that's what I... Uh, told my wife I said the odds of us in late January early February going two long trips like that and not hitting any inclement weather isn't too good usually in the winter but. right well this weird spring uh, weather spring like weather it was funny we had groundhog day a couple days back and I thought well he predicted <laughs> that that there would be an early spring I was like well you think so I mean I feel like it's here yeah. and then I heard some people saying oh don't discount like March madness time so yeah. we don't know what's coming down the pipe well that that is true I mean we obviously you can get a weather pattern uh, that suddenly would bring some colder weather or heavy snow and probably more likely to get snow if one of these big systems that's been coming in the Pacific would happen to come up through our area could easily dump a lot of snow, Mm -hmm. uh, late season snow. Normally, uh, the temperatures, uh, we're kind of getting beyond when you get the extended cold spells where it stays cold like it does in December and January. Right. And, And the other thing is with the snow, the sun... By the, by the time you get into February, especially late February, early March, uh, tends to m- uh, melt the snow quicker. And, of course, our ground is fairly warm. I mean, we'd, we don't have any snow cover there. So I guess I'd be pretty optimistic that if we do get a blast of winter, it probably won't be a long blast of winter. It might be a shorter one. But, yeah, we certainly could still get some uh, nasty weather to deal with and with roads and different stuff. I don't take too long of a look at the extended forecast past a week or so because I just don't trust anything. <laughs> but uh, there are there are calling for a chance of rain coming up on Wednesday night into Thursday. Um, so we might see, it says rain likely and breezy, 70% chance of rain coming on Thursday. So we'll see. I mean, if, we, in a, if our, our ground is as dry and relatively warm as we think it is will that be good well i think it's beneficial i mean i think one of the concerns that a lot of folks have especially farmers and anybody 
Uh, but even beyond that, with things like lakes and rivers and streams, is you know we're we generally, except for that rain we had back in December. Uh, in the last three, four months have been kind of in a drought again. You don't mm-hmm. talk about droughts in the wintertime, but, uh, you know, we haven't had a lot of moisture that's kind of come across uh, southern Minnesota and our area. So I think now, um, if we're going to have that happen, it's, if you, unless you're into a lot of snow, it's probably a good time to have it in the winter. But it certainly becomes a concern if this pattern kind of continues as we head into spring. Right. And what are the impacts for farmers then? Is it the stored soil moisture? Right. And the stored soil moisture, now I I know at, at the University of Minnesota at Wasika, they, they said that they're probably... Uh, you know, at about 75, 80% of their normal capacity for stored soil moisture. However, I think they had a little more rainfall during the growing season last year. I think you get in some areas, uh, uh, Mankato area to the west and north, I think uh, that those stored soil moistures are probably going to be a little less than that because of the moisture we had last fall mm. and uh, or didn't have last fall and less during the growing season last year. So I think, uh, yeah, we certainly would like to see uh, some precipitation and moisture, uh, uh, certainly as we get into March and, uh, you know, prior to planting. I mean, that's uh, would be some good recharge time because that's before there's a lot of things growing yet. So any moisture you get tends to soak in the soil and... And that would help our rivers and streams and that kind of stuff too. So we gotta gotta think about that. But uh, even now, getting rain will help because uh, uh, any of that that doesn't soak in will run off and help help rivers sure. and streams and lakes and all that good stuff. All right, we often talk about the, the impact on farmers that are planting, but what about the impact for livestock producers with drought? <clears throat> well, you know the the livestock producers. And I think we touched on this last time. Uh, What you like to see this time of year, especially if you're uh, raising cattle, this is the time of the year uh, from February and March when uh, if uh, folks that have beef cows uh, when they have their calves. And uh, calves are no different than humans. Uh, you, You like to have nice weather for them. And for cattle... Uh, you know, kind of uniform weather that's not real. That days like today, where it's kind of warm and real foggy, moist, uh, mm-hmm. attend, they get a lot of respiratory diseases and oh, stuff like that. So it can be, uh, it can be tough if uh, weather for that. And then the other thing is, when it gets warm, you get more mud. And now this year, because we haven't had as much rain, the mud isn't probably as big a problem. But if we, you mentioned, we might get rain later in the week, mm-hmm. and when it's warm. Uh, again, those are not ideal conditions. Actually, if you're calving this time of year, you probably would just as soon see it a little colder and probably more in the, you know, 10s and 20s instead of the 30s and 40s. A little cleaner. <laughs> a little cleaner. Huh? You know, so it, it is. It's But overall, uh, certainly it's there's benefits too because... 
it's not much fun going out when it's 10 below zero <laughs> and thawing out waters and stuff like that, which livestock producers haven't had to do much this year. So. Really? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, we've got some uh, talk today about dates for the calendar. We're going to talk a little bit about land values coming up with Kent TC. And uh, just a little bit before we head off to our first break about farmers doing any planning for the growing season. What are they doing now? Well, right now, you know, um, farmers are, you know, probably finishing up their uh, uh, wrap up from last year, their tax returns. Uh, uh, farmers, unlike, they have to have their taxes filed by the 1st of March, uh, not like April 15th, mm-hmm. like uh, the rest of us. So uh, generally, a lot of the, your major tax preparers that do work with farmers will do the farm taxes first so that's it's a busy time with that a lot of farmers right now are hauling grain in Uh, maybe they've had some grain that was sold or they're maybe selling some to generate some dollars now the prices aren't real favorable now but certainly uh, they may be hauling some in Uh, the other thing they're planning ahead for next year uh, locking up things like uh their seed needs for the year, their fertilizer, their chemical needs, uh, working with their agronomists and uh, folks at their co-ops to kind of get everything locked in. They're also uh, meeting with their ag lenders to get their finances put together for the year and uh, working on that. So it it does get to be a busy time of the year. Uh, Usually for farmers, the months of December and January and into early February are pretty busy. A lot of times uh, if farmers do take uh, a break before they get into the busy planting season, it ends up being probably later February or early March. Uh, the only time you're going to get there, a vacation, right? A little break in there, but uh, <laughs> no, overall I, it, it ends up uh, uh, it's not the uh, outside work. It's uh, nowadays, you know, Farmers spend a lot of time sitting at a laptop or a computer kind of figuring things out and Mm -hmm. uh, analyzing where they're at. I know we talk a little bit about um, about inputs, like the input costs, but something that you said about you need to use caution when cutting input costs. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously when prices come down and right now, um, you know, we're probably looking at... uh, it, compared to where we were a year ago, corn prices that we're looking at for this coming fall are probably a dollar to a dollar and a half lower than they were a year ago, and soybean prices are over two dollars lower. Mm-hmm. So that means uh, you got, if you're planning, you got less dollars projected to come in at the same yield levels. So the if you're going to adjust and try to still show a profit, you start looking at the cost side of things. Where can I cut some costs and you know, I think uh, uh, it's easy to just look at the my seed costs, fertilizer, chemicals, and you know you got to be cautious there. I mean, you maybe uh, there's some places you can uh, uh, make a few cuts there. Maybe you can get products that are a little lower cost, but <coughs> what you don't want to do is affect your yield, your sure. bottom line, because if you cut into your yield too much obviously then you got less bushels to sell no matter what the price is so that's always a challenge i think you also got to look at other costs uh, a couple costs that have gotten really big in the last 
couple years is labor costs mm -hmm. and repair costs. Uh, are there ways you can cut, you know, reduce some of those costs? Uh, obviously, interest costs have increased with higher interest rates. So, you know, you kind of got to look at the whole package here. Are there some ways we can maybe streamline a few things there to uh, uh, make our break-evens a little more manageable? All right. Well, we're going to come back in just a minute and talk a little bit about the March 15th date. It's important for farmers. Get that one on your calendar. Kent TC, focus on ag today here. It's Talk of the Town. Lisa Kay. We'll be right back. Back on KTOE, it's Middays with Lisa Kay. Thanks for hanging out with me. I've got Kent TC in. It's a little focus on ag today. We're talking all things ag. And uh, so, Kent, did you get everybody switched over since the retirement and everybody that got the focus on ag newsletter is still getting the new one at your new email address and all of that? Hopefully, That's yeah. That was probably it. I guess the, the challenge is uh, I don't know if uh, <laughs> because they don't forward the uh, emails from my old email address. Oh, so sure. I, yeah, there's no forwarding. But again, if anybody's interested, my new email is just Kent TC, no dot in there, and just K-N-T-T-H-I-E-S-S-E -S -S -E at gmail.com. And uh, whether you uh, used to get it and it isn't coming anymore, or if you want to start getting it, just shoot me an email at that address. Right. It hasn't stopped. No, it's still coming every week. Yep. And and now uh, we do have it set up. Uh, we have them archived on uh, um, uh, w on a website uh, called greensolutiongroups.com. So oh, okay. So if you just type in greensolutiongroups.com, they're all archived on there, too. So. Oh, perfect. Well, I'll put that on the um, uh, on our podcast when we get that yeah. the link to that for people. Uh, let's talk a little bit about March 15th. You want people to get that on their calendars. That's an important date for farmers. Yeah, for farmers, you know, we talked about what are they doing right now. Well, one of the things, uh, in addition to all the other things we mentioned early, before the break, is March 15th is a big deadline uh, every year for farmers. Uh, there's two things that happen. They, it's the deadline to work with their crop insurance agent to sign up for crop insurance for the coming year. And there's a lot of different options there, which we can talk a little about. And March 15th is also the deadline at the farm service agency that they need to sign up for their farm program choice uh -huh. for 2024. So and and there is some inner linkage between the two. So it's a time they really need to push the pencil and you know crop insurance. Uh, the last couple years before this year was pretty easy because uh, we you could lock in some favorable prices. You basically could almost lock in that you weren't going to lose money with crop insurance. Mm -hmm. Well, that isn't quite the case this year. Again, the lower prices, prices are that you can guarantee are based on what the price levels are. And oh. we talked before the break how price levels are down. Like uh, for corn, the crop insurance price, uh, the guarantee looks like it's going to be somewhere uh, probably between a dollar ten, dollar twenty a bushel less than last year. And what that really means for the non-farm audience, it means when a farmer's out there on two hundred bushels an acre crop, they can lock in two hundred dollars an acre less as a guarantee compared to what they could a year ago. 
So that means uh, that that's a pretty big gap in yeah. there. And soybeans uh, are down even more. You said even right? the dollar ninety one, but that's about over a hundred dollars an acre probably. So, mm. so that means again, it comes back to those tough margins we talked about. Suddenly, your crop insurance. So, and again, I think the tendency might be because as you you can buy anywhere from fifty to eighty five percent coverage. And the tendency might be, well, if prices are lower, I'm going to lower my coverage to save costs. Well, maybe that's when you need it. You know, I always like yeah. to look at crop insurance. Uh, if you have a disaster to that point where you have a crop loss or whatever, uh, can you afford to make that difference up? And if you, it's kind of like replacing your car with car insurance or your house with house insurance. Mm -hmm. At what level you're going to take? And same is true with crop insurance. So I think got to push the pencil with that because it's still a very important risk management tool and most ag lenders when they get a loan are going to want you to have some good crop insurance coverage and is are there tools that people can use to kind of guesstimate or what yeah you know and like i said the farm program kind of ties into that because that's again protection uh uh provided by the government there and there are some tools to look at both crop insurance and the farm program again if you uh, shoot me an email to kenttc at gmail.com i can send some i got a couple of information sheets and also some good calculators uh, excel calculators to look at those programs Perfect. We're going to talk a little bit about land values coming up in the next break. And then we've got some awards that we want to mention. We're going to get, give a shout out to some folks. We'll be right back. It's Kent TC here on KTOE. Lisa K in the midday on KTOE. All right. Back on KTOE's midday. Kent TC joining me. It's a focus on Ag Day today. And we talk a lot about land values, things going up, things going down. You've got some uh, news out of the Iowa State University. The land value survey, Kent. Yeah, one of the um, uh, best resources of trends in land values uh, is Iowa State University. Uh, they do a, a large annual survey every year that they come out with right at the end of the year, kind of year to year trends in land values. And uh, what they found is even though uh, the farm economy kind of tightened up last year and, you know, uh, generally things, uh, I think a lot of folks thought maybe land values would level off, even decline. But what they found was that land values actually went up another 3.7%. Mm. So the average land values in 2023 uh, in the state of Iowa were $11,835 an acre. And it's kind of interesting to look back uh, since 2016, those land values have went up 65%. Oh my it was gosh. only 4,600 an acre back in 2016. And if you look at even since 2020, uh, it was 75, a little over $7,500 an acre. So it's went up like 57%. And so what that reflects is some very strong farm income years, uh, 2020, 21, 22, uh, 21 and 22 were kind of record farm income years. And obviously, uh, you know, farmers, uh, when they have more 
cash available, the ones looking to buy land that makes uh, they're able to do it. And coupled with that, we have the low interest rates up until the last 12 to 15 months. Mm -hmm. And so if you were borrowing some money, it was relatively reasonable to do that. And then the third thing that really drove that was uh, what the investor interest, uh, of course, the farm economy or the overall U.S. economy was in kind of shaky ground and a little questionable and land it's kind of like gold and land are kind of the two safe places you put money when things get tough <laughs> if you got money if to you invest. have money and and that's kind of what happened was i think there was a lot yeah. of folks out there uh, investing in land so we kind of saw that and Really, the trend in southern Minnesota has been the same. I don't think the dollar value is quite as high, though we've, in the last uh, 12 to 18 months, uh, there's been a lot of farm farmland sales of high-quality Class A farmland that's well-drained uh, above 10,000 an acre. And, in fact, there's been you know, numerous sales that have probably been in that twelve to 13,000 an acre range. So we're, we're not that far away as, from, especially if you look at the the highest land values in Iowa are generally in the northern third northern of the part. state. Okay. And so we're not that much different. Now, I, I would say one thing we see in probably in Minnesota, or at least we probably have a little more variation in land than they do in Iowa, especially as you get further north uh, or west in Minnesota. So we'll see a little more variation probably on type of land and how well it's drained. But land values have held very strong. Uh, there's even uh, in recent uh, past couple, three months, uh, there haven't been a lot of land sales, but there's been some that have kind of maintained a pretty strong level. So uh, it's interesting uh that that's still happening out there. Is it cyclical? I mean, have you watched? It is. It is. You know, you go back uh, when when the farm economy struggled. If you look back at the Iowa numbers from 2014 uh, to 2018, uh, the land values actually dropped in four of those five years. Okay. So it does go in cycles, and I think that's one thing that you know some experts are saying are we have we hit the peak are we going to see things change out here and mm-hmm. and i think there are some things you know what we talked about in the first half of the program the tighter crop margins lower profitability and farming uh, both crops and livestock right now profit levels are tight and if farmers got less available dollars uh, uh, they're going to hang on to their cash a little tighter instead of investing it in land so i think that could reduce the uh, farmer interest out there Uh, again what happens with interest rates if interest rates stay high and uh, you got to borrow the money on it that kind of is a negative on it and then you know, all of a sudden, our the stock market's doing better, the overall economy, so maybe that's going to lower some of that outside interest that's out there. And hmm. and then the other factor is, uh, you know, how much land's available. Uh, if la- you know, it's supply and demand kind of comes into play. If there's limited amounts of land available, that kind of tends to drive the price up. If we start people that are going to sell land maybe it's estate deals or other kinds of land situations we start seeing more land come on the market of course then uh people are going to be a little more selective then in what they buy and what they bid on it so and then the other is just the confidence i mean our farmers confident in the land market the overall economy our ag lenders confident willing to borrow money to buy the land so 
a lot of those are coming in. I would say we're probably at some point, uh, you know, unless, assuming that the uh, farm economy kind of heads down the road we're heading, that we'll see some adjustment, at least see land values level out and maybe even decline a little over the next couple of years. But that's just my prediction. I could be wrong, too. All right. Well... I'm gonna hope you're. Right. I'm gonna hope you're right. Yes, if you're looking to buy, I mean that's uh, helpful. I know we've got some other topics that we want to cover today before we let you go. Here, we want to say a congratulations to some folks in Medelia. Yeah, Dan and Megan Roberts, uh, young farm couple over in the uh, Medelia Lake Crystal area, Western Blue Earth County. Uh, they just. Uh, got a neat award here a couple weeks ago uh, at the American Farm Bureau Conference uh, out in Salt Lake City. They they won the National Achievement Award and that's uh, to qualify. First of all, you got to qualify at your state level and then each state can have a candidate but it's uh, it's uh, for farm uh, farm operations where the primary farm operators are under i think it's 30 or 40 years old so they got you you gotta you know they look at the achievement part is how their farm has grown they look at the financial part but they also look at what the folks have done in the community and how they've given back and what their goals and plans are and and uh, Minnesota hasn't had anybody in that for a few years. And uh, they went through the process in Minnesota, made it to the nationals, and they made it to the top 10. And, nice. And then there's an interview, and they ended up uh, winning it. And it's the first time uh, Minnesota Farm Family has ever won that award. And I judged it a few years ago at the national level, and it's one of the biggest awards that Farm Bureau gives. I mean, they get... Uh, uh, money towards a new pickup and several other big oh, wow. prizes and they make it's it's a big deal to win it so very cool congratulations uh, so that's a very neat honor for them and and uh, i happen to know them personally and uh besides farming uh megan's also an instructor in the new ag program there at mankato state university oh great so and she's been uh involved in agriculture a long time both at uh, she was at SEC for a while and at the University of Minnesota so very nice honor it's a diversified crop and livestock farm they raise hogs and corn soybeans and hmm. nice uh, nice honor for them congratulations Dan and Megan Roberts and then there is uh, something coming February 13th and 14th to the Mayo Clinic Health System Event Center Right, we got uh, the Minnesota Pork Expo coming to town next week. Uh, I think this is the third or fourth year it's been in Mankato now, and uh, that's a very large event. They basically use the entire uh, Civic Center uh, for exhibits and displays. They got a lot of workshops, so if anybody out there wants to find out the latest and greatest what's going on in the pork industry or the ag industry as a whole it's a great place to go it's open to the public you can uh it's next tuesday and wednesday the 13th and 14th of february certainly be reminding people about that and once again if you want to contact kent tc now that he's retired for the focus on ag column and other info once again email is kent k-e-n-t T-H-I-E-S-S-E at gmail.com. And you said greensolutionsgroup.com for the email or for the Green website? Green Solution Groups. <laughs> yeah, Green Solution S- Groups. There you go. There you go. <laughs> dot com. Or you can always call me too. Okay. What's your phone number? Uh, 507-381- uh, 
I've got it in front of me. 7960. Very good. <laughs> Just in case you forgot. You don't call yourself very often. It's good to have you in, Kent. Always good. And hopefully, I guess I like this weather. And I know people that like to... Uh, ski and yeah, ice not fish so good and for them. move snow probably don't like it as much. <laughs> Thanks, Kent. We'll see you soon. It's KTOE Middays with Lisa Kay.